You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. I um, am so excited to have the opportunity. When we, when we talked about themes for uh, the, the summer and different things that we thought you know, we could speak of, and one of the things that we talked about was pictures of Jesus, pictures that would lead us into a greater you know, understanding of who Jesus is that would lead us really into worshiping um, him more as we understand him more. And this is a powerful picture um, of Jesus that we see in communion, that we get to read about in the Gospels. And this morning, my hope is that we're gonna, we're gonna make it even more powerful by understanding the, the, the imagery of the Passover and how they're celebrating in the Last, in the last Supper, in the communion, um, this Passover meal. And it means a lot specifically to me because it was part of my journey as I became a Christian. Um, I, some of you know, if you've done the life course, you've heard bits and pieces of my story, but I'm gonna try, I'm gonna try and get to the, to the meat of it. But it's hard because it starts with me being in, in a middle school vacation Bible school, which a lot of people become Christians at vacation Bible school. But I was 22 years old when I did it. So... So just a little explanation of, of, of that is I was uh, arguing with uh, some of the people that I worked with that were Christians, and I was telling them, you know, how you really can't be a scientist and a Christian at the same time, and so they were challenging me on, well, what do you really know about Christians, and, you know, have you done your research as a good scientist? And so as part of my research, I started reading the Bible. Um, you know, they told me, so you got you to read the Bible, you got to read what we... I mean, they're geniuses, right? Because they're like, you got to read the Bible. Yeah, you got to go to church. You got to figure out what it is that we, we teach and what we believe. And so I start reading the Bible and I start going to church. And one, one Sunday after church, they're like, because uh, I look so strong, um, they were like, hey, can you help us move some stuff around and, uh, you know, set up tables and volleyball nets and stuff like that. And I, I must have been really good at it because they were like, well, could you come back every night this week? Because we have... <laughs> vacation Bible school. And I was like, yeah, okay, I went to vacation Bible school. That's, that's fine. So, so here I am. This is the picture that I want you to have. This is the picture of me. I'm reading. I know, where do you start? I start in Genesis. I'm reading through the Old Testament. And then at night, I'm helping out with the elementary and middle school kids, vacation Bible school. Still would not consider myself a Christian. Really, I'm looking for ammunition to argue with the people that I'm working with. But long story short, I get to this passage in Exodus. Um, this picture of Jesus in Exodus, in the Passover. And just so you can kind of re- remember the story of the Passover, right? The, the Jewish people, they had been in Egypt and they were, they were honored um, at first, right? They were in a, in a position of honor and so they were all living there. But for 400 years, they had been oppressed. Um, a new pharaoh had come into power and they were on, under the oppression of, of, the, of the Egyptians, and God speaks to Moses, and this is what he says. He promises to personally deliver them, and he says this in Exodus chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave driver, drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of, the land, out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So that's kind of the beginning of the Passover, of him telling, this is what's going to happen. I am going to personally deliver my people. I am personally going to do this thing. 
And so you remember um, Charlton Heston, and he go, let my people go, and the plagues come, and, they, and, and the, the Egyptians, they just don't relent. They just don't give up. And so the plagues continue to come, and the last plague, it's like, it's the, nu- it's the nuclear option at this point. And God's, God says, okay, here's the deal. I'm going to kill the firstborn male of, of every family. The, and, and if you want to express your trust in me, my people, if the, it, you will take a lamb, a perfect unblemished lamb and you'll kill it you'll take the blood and you'll like put it over the doorway you'll cover the doorway with this blood and it'll express your your trust in me and so i'm reading this not as a christian thinking god's a little weird right like 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 and not only that but he gives like incredibly specific instructions for how it will happen for like what they should do and at one point he says you know, when you're doing this and, you, and you're slaughtering this innocent little lamb, don't break any of its bones. And I'm, re- I'm like, this is just out of control. Like, wh- wh- what is going on here? So then that night, I go to vacation Bible school. And, you know, it's what you would expect. I mean, just loud and crazy. And the poor youth guy is trying to, like, tell the story of Jesus on the cross. And he's reading just from the scripture, and he reads how when Jesus died, that they, they would come and they would break the legs of the crucified people to kind of accelerate their death, to end their suffering, and really to get off work early. And so they get to Jesus, and they're like, he's already gone. And so there's this weird passage that says they didn't break any of his bones. And I, like, turn white. I'm like... None of the kids, obviously, none of the kids are like thinking about it. The guy doesn't say anything about it, but God was dealing with me. Like that was a picture that God used instrumentally in my life to show me the meaning of the Passover, the meaning of Jesus on the cross, and to show me the supernatural origins of the scriptures, the way that he moved. And so that's why it's powerful for me. And hopefully this morning, we'll get to experience some of that power and some of that imagery. So let me, let me just pray for us as we get into it. God, we are thankful for your, good, your great work that you have shown us in Christ. We're thankful for your scriptures that testify to the things that you have done. We pray that you would continue to come down and rescue us, that you would find us open and trusting, willing to receive from you. Holy Spirit, teach us this morning. Teach our hearts to trust you more. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so the Last Supper. You fast forward a thousand years. You fast forward a thousand years from that first Passover. And what happened is after the Passover, God says, you guys are a forgetful people, right? Like you just, you forget. And so I'm gonna give you very specific instructions for how you will remember this day. When your children ask you about this day, this is what you're gonna tell them about how, how God showed up and rescued you, how I was the one that led you out of Egypt, out of slavery, so that you could worship me. This is the, the, the meal that you will commemorate. So you fast forward to Jesus, and, and let's, let's read what it says in Luke, chapter 22, verses 13 through 16. So what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking through Luke 22, so it's Luke's account of the Last Supper. It's Luke's account of them celebrating the Passover celebrating this time that God had ordained, this method that God had ordained to remember how he delivered his people. 
And Jesus had just told the disciples some very you know, specific instructions about how to go and prepare for the meal. And so it starts off in 13. They left and they found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. This is, this is important. They celebrated the Passover. They celebrated this thing. They exercised it. Jesus came and he was a good Jewish teacher. He was a good Jewish man. He, he, he didn't just throw everything out. He, he continued to, to honor the traditions of the time. He continued to honor the church that God had established. He continued to honor the things that, that were important at the time. So they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you. I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you. I have eagerly desired to have this time when we remember the story of how God delivered his people and how the Passover originally went down, how God took his people that had been in slavery for so long and he set them free through sacrifice, through blood. I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds its fulfillment in the kingdom of God. What I think is important in that is one that they actually celebrated the Passover. You know, that's not most theologians. It's going to be hard to find someone that doesn't believe that they actually celebrated the Passover in a traditional way. But I think what else is important, that, that Jesus wanted to do that. He, want, it was, he eagerly desired to do that. And notice they didn't send Judas to like the kids' table. Hey, Judas, we're going to have a little meeting. If you could just wait outside. Think about that. This intimate meal, typically shared in a family, not, not in a church, not in a, in, a, in a church environment at all. The Passover would be celebrated in a family, and Jesus eagerly desires to celebrate it and doesn't even send the deceiver, is what they call him later, he doesn't even send him out of the room. So starting in 17, continuing in Luke twenty-two seventeen, it says, after taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and he gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. And this is all, we've heard this, right? We hear it every time that we have communion. But there's so much meaning behind it. Studying the Passover after taking the cup after taking the cup, it, like, as if we would know the, why is it the? Why not just taking a cup, taking a cup of wine? But there was meaning to it because it was the Passover. And the Passover, what they would do is they would have four cups. Has anybody ever had like a traditional Passover meal, like a Seder meal? Yeah, awesome. If anybody ever does that and wants to invite me, I'd love to go. But I've never been. All I know is what I read on the internet. So, but it's all legit, I'm sure. It's totally cool. <laughs> but when they would celebrate, when they would celebrate this, they would have four cups that would each commemorate some action, some promise of God that we'll take a look at in just a second. But so when it says that he took the cup, he was in the process. Jesus was leading the Passover meal. Jesus was following a traditional meal when he did a traditional Passover meal as he did this. Those four cups each represent a promise from this verse, from Exodus Chapter 6, verses 6 through 7. It says, Therefore, 
Say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. This passage is what they reflect on during the Passover meal. When they would take the cup, they would reflect on each of the different things that he says. The first one in the first cup will be, I will bring you out from under the yoke. This is called the cup of sanctification. The sanctification being the process of being taken and set apart. That he would bring them out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And they would have drank the first cup of wine or grape juice if you're Baptist. And they would, (laughs) that's not a knock, I love the Baptist, don't get me wrong. Um, and he would have recited, it says, you know, that he gave thanks and broke the bread. But it would have been a traditional blessing. It would have been a traditional Passover blessing, something along these lines. Jesus would have said, blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who creates the fruit of the vine. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, who has chosen for us your service from among the nations. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who has kept us in life, who has preserved us, and has enabled us to reach this season. I mean, just picture that. Jesus with his disciples recounting the story of how God personally rescued them, how he personally came down and delivered them out of slavery. Now, okay, there's a lot of debate about which cup is which? Because there's four cups in a traditional Passover meal, right? And there's only two that are recorded in Luke. And so people are like, well, did they only do two cups? Which was it the first and the third? Was it the second and the fourth? Whatever. We're going to go with tradition, which the tradition is that, that the cups that are mentioned in Luke is the first cup and the third cup. So it doesn't mention the second cup, but the second cup is the cup of deliverance. The cup of deliverance, which is this. Remembering from the Exodus chapter 6 verse, the next one, which would be... Um, I will free you from being slaves to them. God is deliverer. God is rescuer. They would, they would remember that verse, and, and this is what would happen. I love this picture. Remember, they're, they're trying to recount the story, and, and when God originally gave the instructions, he said when, you're, when your sons and daughters ask the question, this is what you'll tell them. And so as they would celebrate it, the youngest would ask the question, why is this night different? Why is this meal different? Why are we eating the things that we're eating? What's different about this? And so people believe John was the youngest disciple. He would have asked that question. Why is this night different from other nights? And then Jesus would have told them the story. He would have recounted the story and there would be give and take because they would ask questions and talk about the story. Christ, the Passover lamb, as Paul refers to him, sat at their table and he told them the redemption story. The story of a loving God who couldn't stand to see his people oppressed any longer and that he initiated every part of the rescue effort. That God chose to work through a man to free them. That he chose to work through a human to free them. And in the end, God told them, do this in remembrance of me. Don't forget what I've done he is the God who delivers. So the one, the one, Jesus, who proclaims freedom for prisoners when he began his ministry, 
tells the story of captives being set free and spared from death by the blood of the Lamb. Jesus walking them through this story. Picking up in Luke 22, 20. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. And there's so much, there's so much to the meal and the way that they would eat it. They would take and they would dip. Um, the, the, the bread that was broken would have been like a, like a thin, uh, unleavened bread. And it would have reminded them of the rush that they couldn't even wait for the bread to rise when they needed to, to get out of Egypt, when they needed to, to run. But they would dip it together in the meal. They would tip it together into the, 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 um, to a, a bitter dip like of salt water or vinegar, to remind them of the tears. But it's a very intimate thing, and you hear um, Jesus dipping with his disciples, with Judas, sharing in this meal. The third cup, the cup that he would have, have, have um, that many believe is referred to in Luke twenty-two twenty, draws to mind the cup of redemption. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. They would have finished their meal before this, before this cup. And then they would rem- remind themselves of the story of God is a God who redeems, that he is the one that makes up the difference, that he's the one that sees what's been discarded and he attributes value to it. He sees what other people have attributed no value and he gives it value. He redeems. Very significant with the backdrop of the Passover. A new covenant. They're celebrating the old covenant. In the midst of it, Jesus is declaring a new covenant. Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews would say it like this. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. No longer would our redemption be tied to our own attempts to be holy, our own attempts to earn God's favor, to sacrifice No longer. It would be one sacrifice to end all sacrifices. God is the God who redeems, just like the Passover. A loving God who couldn't stand to see his people oppressed any longer chooses to work through the man Jesus, a human, a a God-founded human form. In the end, God tells him, do this in remembrance. The fourth cup, not mentioned, but it would have been reminding them of the restoration, the very end. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. So a lot of people will say that, oh, they didn't drink the fourth cup because it it points to when Jesus comes back. But think about that picture. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. And then tradition, they would sing a song. There were a couple different places they would sing songs, but they would end with singing a song. And this is amazing. Mark tells and when he recounts that supper, he says that they sang a hymn before they left for the Mount of Olives. Think about that. They're celebrating the Passover and then they're, and, and they're having this intimate meal and they're recounting the story of what God has done. And then they sing a hymn together, Jesus singing a hymn with his disciples before they go out to the Mount of Olives. I think that's just a, a cool picture. So this morning as we celebrate the communion, as we celebrate the Last Supper, as we celebrate the Passover, Jesus, this picture of Jesus as the Passover lamb who institutes a new covenant in the midst 
of, of, of just highlighting himself as the, pas- as the Passover lamb to remind us that he's a God who rescues because we so easily forget. To focus our minds, to remember, to actually do something. He would take the bread Bread would look a little bit different than this. It'd be flat, right? Unleavened. It's the, it's the um, unleavened bread that we talked about of just reminiscing that they couldn't even wait for it to rise. They had to, they had to get out of there. So our bread looks a little bit different, but it means the same thing. And he would have broken that bread and told them, this is my body that's given for you. His real body. More than just symbolic, right? Because his body would be broken. And when we do this, we're not entering into some mystical, you know, spiritual thing. We are remembering a real day in history, a real event, a real body, a real sacrifice, a real person in Jesus. It is a real body that has been broken for us. In the same way, he took the cup. This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. A new covenant, a new promise, a new thing that God is doing. But Paul says it's more than that. It's not just remembrance. Every time that we partake in this, we are proclaiming death, the death that that Jesus died for us. We are proclaiming something. By participating in this meal, we are proclaiming our trust in him. Just like those guys that said, really, We're we're gonna paint our doors with blood? That's where we're going tonight. That's, that's the thing that we're going to do. But they choose to trust. And in the process of that, they proclaim their trust by doing that thing. We proclaim our trust when we do this. We say, I am a part of this new covenant. I want to be a part of this new covenant. I want that deliverance for myself. I want that sacrifice. So we're going to have an opportunity now to do that. I'm going to say a prayer in just a second. And the worship team's going to come up. We'll have some ushers that will have the elements. All of our, all of our uh, wine is non-alcoholic. The wine that's closest to the wall over there is, is straight up grape juice. So if you don't even want it to taste like wine, it's right over there. Um, what you'll do is you'll come up, take a, a, a piece of bread. The usher will tell you this is the body of Christ which is broken from you, for you dip it in the wine, and they'll say, they'll say this is the, the blood of Christ that's been shed for you. And then you'll dip it in there and then take it. If you have a child that's here who's not ready to make that profession, who can't make that proclamation, can't say I'm ready to trust, I would be happy to bless them. If you want to bring them forward, I'll be right here um, and, and available to say a blessing over them. But come as you feel led. Take this opportunity to remember a God who delivers, a God who rescues you. Don't rush. Don't just come up because that's what everybody else does. Take the opportunity to remember the work of Christ. Let me pray for us. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you that you are our Passover lamb. We thank you for that picture that you have given us. We thank you for just the generations of stories that we can look at of people remembering the way that you have consistently showed up and delivered your people so that we can worship you, so that we can experience life the way that it was designed. Set us free this morning. Set us free this morning 
For those of us that are crying out to be rescued this morning, we pray that you would continue to rescue us and you would continue to do those things that we know that you do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.